All right. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas here. And happy early new year in the next few days. We apologize. We didn't get you guys your money last week. We took a week off there for the holidays. We were a little busy. Couldn't find a, a time to make it work. But we're back to help line your pockets here for the new 2020 season here. We'll get you started off right. I'm Adam for At Odds. Jared, how are you today? Doing pretty good. Ready for the college bowl games to really get going. I know they've yeah. been going, but now is when it really kind of turns up. Yeah, good to hear. I know you got a lot to talk about for the college football games, so uh, let's not waste any time. You want to tell our viewers how you did last week, or I guess not last week, sorry, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago? Yeah, so I actually, from a win-loss standpoint, did really bad. Give me a second to explain. It really was a very value week, and I think I hit the value well. I just fell on the wrong side. Um, my first one was Colby Covington at plus 155 in his fight. He ended up losing in the fifth round, but, uh, Dana White was talking about the scoring. It was tied going into the fifth round. One judge had it three to one in favor of him. One judge had it three to one for the other guy. And one judge had it two to two. So you're a dead even fight on a plus 155 guy. That just shows the 155 was great value. You're going to come out on bottom on top some without, or sometimes, sometimes the other way around, but. You know, I lost it, but I still I would take that pick again. If you told me they'd be tied going into the fifth round, I would hammer everyone plus 150 line there is. Um, then I had Jose Aldo at plus 160. This was a really disappointing one. Uh, pretty much everybody that watched the fight said Jose Aldo won, but the judges scored it in favor of uh, Marlon Marais. Uh, Dana White actually said he might still give Jose Aldo the title shot. He's basically ignoring the judges' decision. Um, Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier, the announcers both weren't shocked. The crowd booed. So that was one of those. You just, you get unlucky. Uh, it happens. I've been on the good end of it. Sometimes I'm on the bad end of it sometimes. But again, if you told me that they'd come down to a, a split decision where it's going to go either way, it's a coin flip. I'll take plus 160 every single time. Um, one more that I lost again to keep complaining, Montreal Canadiens minus one and a half over the Red Wings. So this is one of those games. Of course, as soon as I gave my statistics about the Red Wings being terrible, they had to go lose to prove me wrong. But the Red Wings were outshot 42-20 to 20 in this game and somehow won. I mean, that, that doesn't happen. If that game plays out like that, 9 out of 10 times Montreal is going to cover 1.5. An average goalie saves 90% of the shots. That theoretically should be a 4-2 to two game. Um, and then the Wings went on to lose their next like four games by three or more goals. So, again, three, three good bets that I ended up losing on. The Rams-Cowboys was a bad one. That, that was my fault. Should have saw the Vegas hunch there. And then I did hit my nice little teaser there with the Patriots, Seahawks, and Bills. So all in yeah. all, a down week, but a great value week, I would still say. I would, I would bet those exact same things again this weekend. Yeah, I, I would agree. The UFC kind of railroaded you a little bit, and then the Red Wings winning sure throws a wrench into everybody's plans. It's not very expected, but my last week was pretty good. I, I really can't complain. I went 3-2, and two, and I actually hit on my – two biggest bets. So the two I missed on were Broncos plus 10 and a half. The Chiefs just blew them out of the water. I underestimated the Chiefs defense a little bit. They have really stepped up their game and look good. Oakland is a huge letdown. I had them at minus six. I think at some point during that game, like early fourth quarter, maybe they were up by 10 or something with the ball. Ridiculous, terrible loss there. They lost that game straight up even, not even close to covering the spread. Because they really blew it down the stretch there. The three that I won, I had the Vikings minus two versus the Chargers. That game was never close. It was like 39 to 10. Miami, I had plus seven, the Miami Heat. That was uh, to, uh, they actually won that game straight up. So 
the spread was a great bet. And my bet of the week, my favorite one that we're talking about, America's Game, Navy versus Army. I told everybody to say the Pledge of Allegiance and then sing America the Beautiful and get out and watch that. I had Navy covering 10 on that one, and they covered that one as well pretty easily against the Army. So all in all, 3-2 and two last week. I've bumped myself up. I am now at 298. If you were 298.05, I'm just rounding the nickel down. If, if anybody wants a nickel, I'm giving it. But if you remember, we started at 100 units. So I'm very close now to tripling my, uh, my total here, doubling just on pure profit. But I'm, I'm almost up to uh, 300 units. Hopefully this week, I've, I've got some pretty fat bets coming in um, with some good returns. So uh, I'm excited to talk about that. I don't really want to waste any more time. Jared, you got anything to say before I jump here into this week? No, go. Let's see them. All right, let's do it. Let's go wild. So I've got my first one here. I'm sticking in the NBA. I've been pretty hot here, I would say, um, especially obviously last week I picked the Heat. I'm actually going to be picking against the Heat on this one. They're playing the Pacers. I'm taking the Pacers money line at plus 180. I was fiddling back and forth between the spread. <clears throat> I love it. It's actually moved a little bit. Um Earlier this morning, it was at minus four. Now it's up to Miami minus five. So I'm actually not loving that the money is on Miami here. But just a quick analysis of this game. The Indiana Pacers have been a lot better than a lot of people have been anticipating, especially with missing Victor Aladipo. The signing of Malcolm Brogdon has really stepped up their team. He's been outstanding um, really on both sides of the ball. And he's been a, a really good catalyst for that Pacers offense. The Miami Heat, team is a little inconsistent actually um and i guess so so is the pacers team but listen when we look back at the pace or at the miami heat game they played dallas five games ago they won an ot barely i believe luca was actually missing in that game i could be wrong but either way then they lost to memphis not a very good team they barely beat philly who is a pretty good team they beat the knicks trash organization all in all and they barely beat the jazz so their games when they're not playing against bad teams generally tend to be close because they're a defensive pretty heavy defensive oriented team now the indiana pacers match them very well in that they're actually allowing less points per game slightly lower field goal percentage and they're getting uh more steals and more blocks per game than the miami heat both teams are seven and three in their last 10 games this to me is a pretty even matchup when I'm looking at this game, I feel like it could land on either side. Miami is home, so they get the slight advantage. The reason, really, Jared, and our viewers, why I'm taking this one is because it's plus 180 for a good Pacers team. I really just like the value in that. Um, I wasn't in love with the spread. I was hoping because it was a plus 180, it might be like Miami 6 or 7. Then I would take the Pacers on the spread. But because it's only sitting at like 4, 4.5 right now, um, I think it actually just moved up to 5. I'm going to sit on the Pacers money line just because the value. Um, I'm going to put eight units on that to return 14.4. Uh, again, I just think they match up well. The Pacers are scoring a, f a couple less points per game, but they're also allowing a couple less points per game. They're shooting almost the exact same field goal percentage, almost the exact same rebounds, almost the exact same assists. Um, they're really evenly matched teams, in my opinion, so I'll take the huge money line at plus 180 there for the Pacers. Hopefully... Uh, That'll be a, a smart bet because, like I said, I see these teams as a pretty evenly matched game here uh, tonight at 8 p.m. So, oh, I can't really disagree with anything. I haven't followed the NBA a whole lot, so I don't have a whole lot to say. But it definitely seems like some pretty good reasoning there. 
probably watch it closely, maybe tail it with a little bit for fun, have a little action. The only thing I would be worried about is the uh, Pacers' offense can come and go a little bit. So they could come out to a, a slower, a slight shaky start. I mean, two games ago, they were ramrodded by Milwaukee. They only put up 89 points. So their offense can come and go a little bit. But like I said, I think this is a pretty good matchup of two evenly built teams. So I'll take the plus 180 on that all day. Sounds like a at least good value there. Um, so I'm going to take us over into bowl week here since I'm excited to get this going. Actually, going to stay in the bowl week the, the entire time here. I'm going to start off with Texas A&M, and this one's interesting to me. It's not necessarily my favorite, but it, it, it just has this weird feel to it. First, that number of five and a half. What that's telling me is the bookmakers think that A&M's definitely the better team here. When you have a very close matchup, you're looking at a three-point spread. Maybe they tease to a three and a half, but usually it's under three. So they're saying that A&M's definitely better. But I think they're they're hesitating to go to a full touchdown because they're saying we're not really sure what this A&M team is. So they're kind of telling me they're the better team, but how much better are they? I like the fact that they're still under that number of six, getting them at five and a half, because that gives that, that weird number you sometimes get to where you have <clears throat> two field goals or maybe maybe a team misses an extra point or you have the couple field goals mixed with a touchdown. Six points comes up a lot. Five doesn't. Uh, so that, that, that's a pretty key number for me. Now, just looking at the teams themselves, when you look at Oklahoma State first, I think they're they're a good team, but they're not amazing. They're one of those kind of, I, I don't know. You, you, you're not really scared of them, but you also don't want to play them. Uh, they lost to Texas early on by six, so that would have covered the spread. Texas isn't a great team, but they, they're decent. They're probably comparable to like an A&M. Um, I think A&M might even be a little better in Texas. They do have a nice one against Kansas State, who's kind of turned it out at the end of the season and looked to be a decent team. Then they lost to Texas Tech, who's kind of been up and down. They did lose to Baylor. Baylor ended up being a pretty good team, but they got whooped by Baylor. And then they got whooped by Oklahoma. So, I mean, a lot of their losses are decent teams, but not great teams necessarily. And then they've had some close games against some shaky teams like West Virginia. TCU we thought was going to be good. They struggled a little bit. Um, Now if we go look at Texas A&M, though, I think they have the most unfortunate schedule. And I'm not a Texas A&M fan. I hate them actually living down in Dallas, but – Listen to who they've had to play and who their losses are. They lost to Clemson, who is in the playoff, top three team. They lost to Auburn, who is finishing out the season as a, a very solid team. Uh, they may not quite be the top 10 team that they were when they played. I, I don't know, but they're, they've been flirting with that top 10 the whole year. So, again, another top 10 team. They lost to Alabama, who was number one at the time, who's going to finish the year probably around top five. Uh, they lost to Georgia in a very close matchup, who was top four at the time. And they lost to LSU. So literally their five losses are all to top 10 teams this year. And they've kind of beat up on a lot of the smaller teams they've played. They've had a close game here and there with um, some teams. But they've pretty much controlled all their games outside of Arkansas. They only beat by four. Um, The other reason I kind of like A&M in this is Oklahoma State runs through. Well, well, first, I think A&M wants to prove something. They were supposed to have – this was supposed to be their breakout season with Jimbo Fisher coming over there. And it, it's kind of been lackluster, but they want to prove that they're a good team. They just had an unfortunate schedule. So I think they're going to show up and be ready to go. If you look at Oklahoma state too, they really run through Chuba Hubbard or Chuba Hubbard. I don't know how you technically pronounce it. Chubby which, don't Hubbard. get me wrong. Has been a monster, but A&M has a pretty strong rush defense. I don't think they're going to stop him, but that doesn't bode well for a team that needs to go through him to score. 
you look at A&M, their top 30 rush defense, not amazing, but, I mean, that's the top 25, 30% of college football. And in the last three games, they've been a top 10 rush defense. And the teams they've played in the last three games are solid teams. In Georgia, who's a running team, LSU is more of a passing team, but they at least don't struggle to run the ball. And then South Carolina, who's whatever. But it's not like they're playing cupcakes these last three games. So I really think this just matches up well. I think the story bodes well for A&M. They got something to prove here. And I think we, again, I wouldn't like them at a touchdown, but I just think they're, I think if they didn't have such a tough schedule, they'd probably be a 10-win team right now. I mean, like I said, you look at, they don't have a bad loss. Every single bad team they've played, or not even bad, but average team they've beat. They lost to Auburn. If they didn't play Clemson and played a, if they didn't play Clemson and played a cupcake, they'd be eight and four. And then if they didn't have to draw the short straw and play Bama, Georgia, LSU, and Auburn in the same season, they'd probably easily be a nine and three team right now, if not ten and two. And at that rate, they'd probably be a ten to twelve point favorite over Oklahoma State. I just I think we're kind of sleeping on A and M here, and I like I said I like that number being under six. What's I have your uh... for nine oh nine? Okay, yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask. I like Texas A&M. I think I told you earlier last year, I actually made a decent amount of money betting on them because of Kellen Mond. He's been a beast. I think he's a great quarterback. I think an NFL team is going to get a steal of him in the later rounds, but um, if he's able to fall that far. But I like that bet. I like Texas A&M. The only thing I would be a little apprehensive about is I've lost a few Texas A&M bets this year for some reason I don't know they're not quite the same team they were last year able to keep those good teams close and win uh, or keep it close against those good teams and win against those not so good teams so this will be a good one I think you what was the spread on it minus four or minus five five and a half five and a half okay yeah I mean that's that's pretty solid I that's I I like that I think I'll tail that I like A&M there I've lost a few on them so far this season so it's about time they won me some money back so I feel like it's going to be a, a weird clash, too, for a team like Oklahoma State. They're used to playing in the Big 12 where most teams don't play defense. So you, can, you almost have to score 35 points Yeah, against a team from the SEC that's just this brutal conference. It's going to be kind of a, a, a little lighten-up schedule for A&M here, and it's going to be kind of a little bit tougher of a matchup style for Oklahoma State than they're used to seeing. For sure. Well, I'm going to take us to the NFL. I'm going to keep us in uh... – in the same sport here, the rest of mine are going to be football as well. So we got a football slate here for the rest of you guys listening. Um, I'm going to go to everybody's favorite game of the week, the New England Patriots against the Miami Dolphins here. Um, obviously, the Patriots are going to win this game, but I'm going to be on the Dolphins plus 16 spread here. Um, I've got an eight unit bet to return seven units. Uh, a couple things about this, really. It's it's kind of a gut check. Um, whenever you see a spread that is that enormous, you know, I always like to take a, to take a look at it really, because 16 points is a ton in the NFL. Jared, you and I always kind of talk about how the NFL is so hard to predict in basketball. You get 60, 70 possessions. If you screw up two or three of them or five of them or 15 of them, you can still have a ton of chances to recoup get, if you're the better team to establish that precedent. In NFL, it's not like that. You get sometimes only a handful of possessions per game. So if one thing goes right or wrong, unanticipated, it can change the whole dynamic of the game. The NFL is a one-possession league. That's what I always like to say. The games are designed to come down to the wire in this game, I'm not saying it's going to come down to the wire, but 16 points is a lot to cover. Hear me out on this for the Patriots. In, 
in the Patriots' last seven games, a pretty good sample size, um, almost half of the games they've played this season and the most recent half. So a pretty good sample size, if you ask me. In those last seven games, if the opposition scores only one touchdown, six points plus an extra point, the Patriots wouldn't have covered a 16-point spread on five of those seven games. On five of the seven games, if the opposition even scores one touchdown, the Patriots wouldn't cover a 16-point spread. The Patriots' offense has been very inconsistent this year. Never have you really been able to look at them and say, yep, that is an offense that's firing on all cylinders, and we're confident. In this game, the Miami offense, granted they're going to be going up against the best defense in the NFL and the Patriots' defense, the Miami offense has looked actually, dare I say, solid as of late. I know it's mainly against crappy teams and Ryan Fitzpatrick is pretty hit or miss. But if you look at the past handful of games that the Miami Dolphins have played in, their offense, their defense is atrocious, but their offense has been very solid. Let's look back here. Like listen to these point totals for these past handful of games. They put up 38, 20, 21, 37, 24, 20. 1626. Like, I mean, you could, you go back to week nine and they've only put up, they haven't even put up under 20 except for one time in a game that they won. So the Miami offense, again, I'm not saying is good because they've been going up against lackluster competition, but I'm expecting them to get a touchdown, maybe two touchdowns. And for the Patriots to cover, say, uh, two touchdown spread at 16 points, they're going to have to put up 30 points. Even if the, Miami Dolphins come out and put up 10 or 11. The Patriots got to get to 26 points, 27 points in order to cover the spread. I just don't love the Patriots offense to get up to a number close to the 30s, especially consistently. Maybe they do in this game, but based on what I've seen this season, based on what I've seen the Patriots doing, I think it's a pretty safe bet to assume that this team is not a team that's going to go out and get 30 for you routinely. So, I'm expecting 30 is going to be about what it takes to cover the spread. So I'm locking in the Dolphins, like I said. Plus 16, eight-unit bet to return seven. I'm just praying that Fitzmagic is able to uh, to pull out. Maybe even a touchdown and a field goal really should be enough. Just don't completely stall and put up like six points or something. I think we should be good there. Yeah, I got to agree. I think the other key, too, is the beginning of the year, the story was the Patriots' defense. And don't get me wrong, they're still a great defense. It's, I mean, you can't almost average out what they did in the beginning. But they've been exposed probably isn't the right word, but I think maybe more yeah, regret to what they to truly Earth. are. And they had some lucky plays, plus they played some dumpster fire teams early on in the year. Their last four or five games, they gave up 28 to the Texans, 23 to the Chiefs. Now those are better teams. Bengals even put up 13. Um and the Bills put up 17 on them. So I don't see why the Dolphins can't at least get in that mid-teen range like you were talking about. And if they can get to that 14 to 17, you're counting on the Patriots to go score over 30. Plus, I don't think New England really wants to risk anyone getting hurt. I think they do have something to play for, probably seeding in the playoffs here. But if they get up 17, they're not going to be out there trying to go in by 21. They're going to be, well, okay, let's keep our guys healthy for the postseason. Or even if they're up, like, I mean, say they do get up 17 or whatever, but if they get up and it's in the fourth quarter with how Brady has already struggled this year, they're not going to be throwing the ball around the field. They're just going to be running it down Miami's throat. They're going to do everything they can to limit Miami's possessions, especially if they're winning up late. 
I see this as being maybe like a 10, you know, 12 point game, something along the lines of 14 to 24 or, you know, 23, 14 or 23 to 10, somewhere around there. Got to agree with you there. Anyways, moving on to my next one, also a game today. I have Air Force minus two and a half for 10 units at 833 over Washington State. The reason I like this pick, Washington State has not been good this year. They're 6-6 six and six in the Pac-12, which is a little bit weaker of a conference. You do have your Utah and Oregon at the top that are pretty strong. But outside of that, Washington themselves have had a uh, kind of a down year. You have um, who else is usually good? Stanford's usually good. It's kind of a down year. That, that conference seems like it's, they've kind of been down outside of Utah and uh, Oregon. Air Force, on the other hand, they've kind of been rolling. I mean, they're a 10-win team this year. Only losses being the Navy, who's also a 10 and 2 team, and Boise State, who's 12 and 2. So they've lost two very solid teams, and they've had good success over these kind of pass heavy teams. Uh, you look at like a Hawaii, who's kind of an arid out team. They smoked Hawaii, and they won by 30 against Hawaii. Not to say that's how every game goes against a pass team, but the thing I really like about this kind of matchup is well, first of all, the line being two and a half, I like that it's under the field goal. And you have a kind of a, I wouldn't call Air Force a small school, but a non-Power 5 school against a Power 5 school. Usually when you see this, you have a pretty lopsided margin toward the power team. But the fact that the bookmakers are still backing Air Force, to me, shows that they don't trust this Washington State team. And they think this Air Force team really is made of something. And this is kind of the reason I picked uh, earlier in the year the Ravens over the Patriots. Air Force possesses the ball. They have that ridiculous triple option run the ball every single time type offense and Washington State is like the opposite they are pass the ball every single time you can and I think unless Washington State hits a groove that bodes very bad for them in this game that defense is going to be exhausted by the end of the game because if you look at Washington State when all you do is throw the ball you're going to have a lot of three and outs and you're going to have a lot of fast scoring drives So either they're going to have three and outs or scoring guys, but regardless, they're going to be getting their defense back on the field. And Air Force will be putting together these six, seven-minute drives, just pounding the ball. And that's going to wear on the linemen. By the third quarter rolling around, maybe even closer to the fourth quarter, Washington State defense will probably have played an entire game. I mean, they're used to playing probably about 28 minutes or so. But I could see them being on the field 35 minutes in the first three quarters. Um with the, the way this Air Force attacks them. I mean, just think, I, I can picture Air Force driving down the field with one of those six-minute run the ball every single drive or every single play that they have. Washington State comes out, three and out, boom. They were just on the field six minutes, they're right back on the field. Then they drive it again. Okay, maybe this time Washington State goes on and score, but most of their scoring drives are going to be two- to three-minute scoring drives with how much they're passing. Yeah, I just think that's going to really wear on that defense and that possession that the Air Force plays. I think at least keep it close and give them a shot to win it in the end. I have. Yeah, I think I mentioned ten units on it for eight thirty-three. And again, I like that the Vegas is backing them as well, especially with the spread being a minus one twenty. Means they even are a little bit more comfortable on that spread, and maybe it would almost push it out to a minus three. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little surprised at the spread. Um, I'm I'm gonna disagree with you here. I think I have to take the Washington State Cougars on this one. They have a high-powered offense. Their defense is garbage. I will let you know that, but they have a high-powered offense, and I think almost the opposite effect works for uh, Washington State. You're right. Air Force is this slow, methodical team, and that can really 
break your opposition if you go on, like you said, one of those five, six, seven-minute, ten-play drives to score a touchdown. But it's just as debilitating on the other side of the ball. Say Air Force has, and they will multiple times in this game, has one of those eight, nine-play, five-minute drives where they end up having to punt the ball away. And Arizona hits on a big play and scores a touchdown in two or three minutes on a four-play, 75-yard drive. That's pretty debilitating when you are out on the field for eight plays and punt it away, and the other team has a high-powered air raid offense, like you said. That could work against Washington State, but it could work for them as well. I think Anthony Gordon is an underrated quarterback. It seems like everybody that goes to Mike Leach offense, like Gardner Minshew, whatever, just throws the ball all around the field. I would stay away from this game, honestly, just because there's so much unknown to it. I appreciate what you're doing with that kind of like uh, Air Force tricky football style. Um, but I kind of like Washington State here. Like I said, they're, it, they feel like a type of team that could pull off, you know, a win against one of those hard-nosed, disciplined, run-the-ball-down-your-throat teams when you have that big playability, you have that epic offense. If it was a team like Michigan State that Air Force was playing, I would pick Air Force all day because Michigan State has very little offense. We'll talk about that a little bit later, actually. Um, but I really like Washington State's big playability, so I guess we'll see. I'm not going to tell you on that one, Jared, but for fun, we'll see who's right, I guess. All right. So I'm going to keep us in the NFL here or keep myself in the NFL. Jared is obviously just breaking down some college football, but I am going to go to a game that I absolutely love this week. Um, and I'm going to go with the bills at minus two. So a couple things, number one, this is actually a little anti Vegas hunch, but I'm going to explain why Jared and I have kind of, you know, trademarked or patented this little phrase called the Vegas hunch. And Jared's even, I kind of came up with it and Jared's taken it to the next level and actually won a, a good amount of bets on it. It's when one, it's has to be a close game, a close point spread within a couple points. And it's when one team is favored or an underdog significantly more dramatically than you would think they would be. This I think is a good example of it. This is the jets, a pretty sorry team versus the Buffalo bills who is one of the better teams in the AFC, and certainly I think they've already clinched a playoff seed even before last week. Their records are six and nine versus ten and five. And yet somehow Buffalo is only I've seen them at minus one and a half, but I got them at minus two. I mean, Vegas is basically telling you this is a pick'em between a solid playoff team and a team who three or four weeks ago was competing for the number one overall pick. So this is a little bit of a Vegas hunch type scenario of I want to take the Jets because Vegas kind of has this feeling they're going to win it or keep it close. Here's why I'm leaning the opposite way now. Because I think Vegas is taking into account this is a week 17. This is a Buffalo doesn't really need to win this game. However, Buffalo already said came out and said they're going to play their starters at least to start. Sean McDermott's going to worry about who's playing how much later in the game. That's why I think the spread's a little bit closer than it should be. I think it maybe should be minus four and a half or minus five and a half for Buffalo. But I just really like the Bills team. I really like, I think they're a good football team. I think there's only a handful of really good cohesive teams in the NFL this year. Um, most teams are, you know, prodded out by their stars or pushed by their stars. I think Buffalo's got a really good 
team, good defense, good rush defense, good pass defense, good linebacking core, a efficient quarterback who moves the chains, and a good running back in Singletary, actually, who's pushing for 800 yards when he barely played to start the season. I just like the Buffalo Bills in this one. Like I said, minus two is essentially a pick em. How many games are decided by one point in the NFL? A very small amount. Minus two gets you the push here. So you're essentially betting that the Buffalo Bills beat the New York Jets, who the Jets kind of had their Super Bowl last week when they played and beat the Steelers. And Le'Veon Bell came and played as an old team. And, you know, they kind of had that camaraderie and coming out party last week. But I think the Buffalo takes care of business at home. I didn't even mention that Buffalo is playing this game at home. So I'm all over the bills there, even though it's a little anti-Vegas hunch. As I explained, the week 17, I think the Vegas hunch doesn't apply quite as much. So give me Buffalo, locking them in at minus two. They're actually my biggest bet of the week, 12 units to return 11.3. That's, again, Buffalo Buffalo Bills minus two on that one. Man, that's scary trying to outsmart uh, Vegas here. The thing that makes I know, me think it's, it's like, an extra hunch, too, though, is that it's at Buffalo. Like, that makes no sense. I could see that if it were at New York. I'm telling you, it's like playing 4D chess against Vegas. You, you have to figure out what their hunch is and why it's there. It's We'll see. We'll see if just the traditional Vegas hunch is right here. I would say that would be the Jets. However, like I said, I think the Week 17 throws a little bit of a wrench into it. Uh, so yeah, that that's why I'm rolling with Buffalo. Scares me in general. I, think that's has, I don't think they can move. I think they're stuck at that five spot no matter what because the Patriots have the division. Yeah, think, and then the yeah, team that are. would be the sixth seed is like two games behind them, so I don't think they can move. So I think yeah, if they play the starters the whole time, they'll probably easily cover, but if they pull them early, uh, yeah, I don't know. This just seems like the type of game that or the type of team that just Buffalo is the better team. They're the better coach team. They're the better all-around team at home and even if they have some of their backups out there I mean let's be real they're not going to sit everybody maybe they'll sit one or two players or maybe they'll sit three players but Buffalo is not the one of the better teams in the league because Josh Allen is amazing so if they sit Josh Allen after the first half I'm still looking at it as well Buffalo's got an outstanding defense a good offensive line a good run game good weapons on the outside quick uh, underneath routes will help even for a backup quarterback. Like I said, Buffalo, if this was Patrick Mahomes might be sitting and can't, and the Buffalo bills are totally wrapped around Josh Allen a little bit different, but I just think the Buffalo bills are a better team and a better coach team. So even their second stringers or half of their first stringers playing is a better team than the jets. Well, we'll see. Uh, well, that 40 chest, we'll see how it works for you. Um, <laughs> So uh, moving into probably not the smartest games to pick on because, but they're just too entertaining to not. So I'm moving into the playoff here. I got OSU money line uh, plus one ten over Clemson. There's a couple of reasons I like this. The first one being Clemson has not played a good team the whole year. Um, I know I said A and M might be good and they might be, but they haven't played. I don't even know if they've played a team that's officially ranked at the end of the season. Trying to look, I. I I don't know that they have. I mean, there's really nobody that's good in the uh, ACC this year, at least that's a threat to uh, a team like them. Where you look at Ohio State, they have played Wisconsin twice, and they're a top-10 team. Penn State was number four when they played them, and they played Michigan. Who that, That's four teams right there. I guess Penn State is a three. Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan. 
And I think there's somebody else that I'm forgetting that Ohio State's played. Regardless, they've played quite a few top 10 teams. One of them they played twice. They've handled all of them very easily. Yeah, I'm looking at Clemson's schedule right now. When they played A&M, they're ranked, but they're not ranked at the end of the year. You could probably call them a fringe top top 25 team if they didn't have such a tough schedule we talked about. But still, the best team they played is A&M, who I think would probably lose to Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State. So I think Ohio State has been tested a lot more than Clemson. Now they still haven't played a team like Clemson yet, but they've been much closer to playing an elite team than Clemson has. Uh, so maybe Clemson starts a little slow because of that. Uh, Clemson has also had, now, I mean, call it a tough game, but they did struggle once or twice with UNC. They they basically lost that game if UNC would have made the two-point conversion. And they had a couple slow starts in the year where Ohio State, the only game they really even looked vulnerable was uh, Wisconsin, who was a top-10 team at the time. Um, another reason I really like <clears throat> Ohio State in this game is up until that game against Wisconsin where they kind of slipped up in the first half, they were the clear-cut number one team going into the uh, bowl. And I think it's fair that LSU jumped them. They probably played a little bit tougher of a schedule. But I think, I mean, Ohio State this whole year, everybody had as the favorite to win it all. And then all of a sudden, one close half against Wisconsin. Now they all of a sudden, they, they jump to a technically the two seed, but they're being looked at as basically the three seed with Clemson being favorited. I think that's kind of a knee-jerk reaction that the fans are probably having. A lot of casuals are probably going to look and say, oh, man, Clemson's last game, they won by 40, and Ohio State almost lost. I think that Clemson's the team this time. Um, and one other thing, both these teams have an elite offense, but I think from a defensive standpoint, Ohio State matches up better. They have three first-round picks on their defense right now. <clears throat> they have a lockdown corner <clears throat> in, I don't even know, Oduka, I, I, I don't want to Okuda. butcher his name. Okuda, there we go. Looking like a top-five draft pick right now. I don't know if he can lock down any of these Ohio State receivers, but can at least slow them down, maybe even take away one side of the field. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has been a little shaky this year. I think he has eight picks or so. Again, not nearly the defense that they're going to be going up against. So it's, I think it's very easy to believe he'll have a pick or two in this game. Also, with Chase Young being an absolute monster, they won't have seen anything like this monster. I think this game's really going to come down to the offense. They're both going to move the ball. I think Ohio State's game translates a little bit better with just push the line forward and let Dobbins go get six yards of carry. That's something that's a little bit harder to stop than a passing attack. If, if Lawrence is off a little bit, if receivers are dropping balls, if there's some hard hits that come up, there's just more things that can go wrong in a passing game than a, uh, a stout running game. And like I said, I think both offenses are going to move the ball. And I just think it's going to come down to what defense can make a couple big plays, maybe a couple stops to turn over to. And I, I trust Ohio State's defense to make those plays a little bit more than um, – Clemson's with especially having three first round picks, two probably top five picks. And Ohio State probably has the best defense in the league and the top three offense where Clemson is, I know statistically speaking, a top five defense, but that's playing against garbage teams. They're probably realistically more in that maybe 10 to 20 defense. For Ohio State, you're looking at maybe the best defense in the country. Look, so what, what was your bet on this one? Uh, another 10 units, 11 for the return since I did okay. the money line there. So this one I go back and forth on. I think pretty much the whole show, multiple times through this uh, podcast here on At Odds, I've said Ohio State's the best team in the country. Handful of times, good defense, good offense, great weapons, running back, wide receiver, quarterback that makes good decisions. But listen, I'm going to roll with Clemson on this one. I have no idea why. 
because when it comes down to it, Dabo Sweeney's the best coach in America, I think. And Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in America. Again, I think when it comes down to it, Trevor Lawrence started slow. I'll give you that. You are hundred percent right. He threw eight interceptions. He's been a little shaky this year, but I was really hoping you would bring up Trevor Lawrence shaky this year because over the past one, two, three, four, five, six games, Trevor Lawrence has 22 total touchdowns and zero interceptions, zero turnovers and 22 touchdowns. Um, with an average completion percentage at like 77%. Like he is playing some of the best quarterback very quietly against not great competition. I will give you that. But let's not forget Clemson last year absolutely ran over the whole college football playoff. They dominated it. They dominated Alabama. And they came in this year and everybody thought they were going to dominate again. And what did they do? Go 13-0. Sure, they haven't been quite as dominant. Sure, Trevor Lawrence struggled a little bit earlier in the year. But let's look back at the beginning of the season. Let's look at the last season when everybody was saying that this Clemson team could be one of the best college football teams ever. And let's not forget that. I really agree. Ohio State has looked outstanding this year. If you just take this year into account, Ohio State is the best team in the NCAA. But unfortunately... I think the Clemson Tigers and Trevor Lawrence are playing a little LeBron-like ball of, hey, this regular season does not matter that much. We know we can beat all these teams. Let's just stay healthy. Let's get everything else firing on all cylinders. And then at the end of the year, we'll all come together. and We'll be the best team we could possibly be. Let's be real. Trevor Lawrence airing it out 50 times per game through the whole season without a rushing attack. The Clemson Tigers are going to get to a tough game in December or January like this one, and they're going to lose it because they're not a well-rounded team. I almost think that him struggling a little early on helped the team learn how to win as a team. That's kind of how I fear a little bit about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, although they've done it a little more down as of late, is they relied so heavily on him and not winning as a team. I think that the Clemson Tigers have really built a great team team this year I like Clemson I I don't have enough confidence to bet on this one because like I said I've been on Ohio State pretty much all year but I think if I had to I'm taking Clemson on this one it should be a good game though we are all fortunate enough to watch you said you get 10 to return 11 on that yeah what's the spread do you know yeah I think it's moved around about minus two for Clemson well, either way, both teams are good against the spread, honestly, this year as well. So eh, it'll be yeah, a toss-up. It'll be a good game. It's not my favorite pick, but it's an entertaining game, so I'm putting it in there. So I got my favorite pick of the week, not because it's my best pick or anything, just because it's, it's kind of a funny one. I like it. I'm taking the parlay of Redskins plus 450 against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I said it. With Cowboys playoff possibly on the line, I'm going to take the Redskins. And the Falcons at plus 105 um, to beat the Buccaneers. Got a little underdog parlay. This is a three-unit return or three-unit bet to return 31, 30.9. But I'll I'll round it to 31 units. So a couple things. I really like the, the return on this. I'll start with the one I think is more likely, the, the Falcons, to beat the Buccaneers. I don't need to spend too much time on this. You know, James Winston is going to at least throw an interception or two. He's going for the record. And... The Falcons don't look now have been playing outstanding ball as of late. Like really, really good football. Lost, yeah, if, the, 
Oh, there you go. Hello? Can you hear me? You're good. Yep, you're good. You're good? Okay, cool. I was just saying that the Falcons have played outstanding football as of late. If we remember, they started the season like something like 1-7. But since the bye week, they're actually 4-2. and two. So like on the second half of the season, they're looking like a good football team with wins over quality opponents. New Orleans, Carolina's okay. They beat Carolina twice, actually, sorry. And San Francisco. Like Some of these wins are against pretty good teams. Um, I don't think it should be hard to beat the Buccaneers, especially because they're missing Godwin and Mike. Kevin's they're just relying on Prashad Perriman at this point. So I like the Falcons and that one, that's not too hard to explain or see why I like it. This one's a little tougher. I'm taking the Redskins versus the Cowboys. Look, the Cowboys are per- The Cowboys are dead in the water. They just lost their most important game of the season. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you the Washington Redskins are going to win this game, but at plus 450, crazier things have happened. And Case Keenum, if we remember, is back at quarterback. Dwayne Haskins got hurt. Dwayne Haskins was looking good, but if you're looking for a one-game win, who do you want to play your game, Case Keenum or Dwayne Haskins? You're going to pick Case Keenum. Case Keenum at this point now, this is Case Keenum's audition for a backup or one of those bridge quarterbacks this game. If he goes out against Dallas, puts up 250 yards, a couple touchdowns and no picks, he's going to guarantee himself a backup position somewhere or even like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type position where a team is trying to transition in quarterbacks. They need someone. That's what case Keenum's going to be. If he can play well, he's going to show the league that he's still got the capabilities to come in and fill in when necessary. The Dallas team has been so uninspiring. Amari Cooper fell off. Like, I mean, Amari Cooper was pulled off for the last play of the game, not even on the field, your best player. Zeke's played terrible since he's got this contract, or I shouldn't say terrible, but to Zeke's standards, he's played terrible. Jason Garrett's got his foot out the door. It looks like he doesn't even know what he's doing on the sideline, and he continues to let Cowboys fans down time and time again. Like I said, not I, I don't really love the Redskins in this one because the Cowboys are a way better team. But the circumstances right. of the Cowboys season, stars underperforming, Dak underperforming, except for on random occasions, the defense looking like Swiss cheese, the coaching staff being terrible. The Redskins are an awful organization, really, truly one of the worst run organizations in the entire NFL. But I like to play. 450 here. What can I say? I'll take three units to return almost 31 on those two. Really, like I said, Atlanta seems like a guarantee. You're just hoping for a 10 times return, in my opinion, that Washington can pull up the upset on the absolutely shot Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't be mad at the value there. Three units is basically nothing to lose, but you have a chance to set yourself up with the win. Yeah, I, I mean, if you if the Redskins basically win this week it makes my whole betting slate positive almost just by that one bet that's just kind of why i was thinking that so i do like the redskins i think it really just is going to almost depend how much the players like jason garrett if he can fire them up and get them going i think i could see the cowboys go out and make a statement but the cowboys team seems like they're kind of defeated like it's like the dead in the water that that, that eagles game was like bam just like a wake-up call and i can that could carry over poorly, and it's just like final straw. They go lose their last game, whether it matters or not, and Jason Garrett's gone, and that's kind of the downfall of this three-year stint of the Dallas Cowboys that everybody thought was going to be so promising. Well, I mean, also look at it like it's like 
the Cowboys quit on Jason Garrett in their most important game of the season. They still had a chance to make the playoffs, and everybody knows when you make the playoffs, anything can happen. Look at the Giants beating the Patriots on that remarkable run when they had like a nine-win season or something. So the Cowboys had everything left to play for. Their whole season still ahead of them last week, and the team quit on Jason Garrett. Imagine when they have almost nothing left to play for. They're going to be they're going to quit so hard. That's why plus 450 <laughs> weeks 17. It's over, baby. Give me the Redskins. How hard are they going to quit? They're going to quit so hard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we got a hard quitting Cowboys here. Um, so, again, sticking with the risky games over here in the playoffs, but I'm leaning Oklahoma plus 14 right now against LSU uh, with a bet of 10 for 870 turn and the reason that i like um oklahoma here i think don't don't get me wrong i think lsu is going to win the game but oklahoma they're kind of being treated like the ugly stepchild here just because they're the team that kind of had to lose their way in i guess you would call it not not that they lost but kind of defaulted in the playoffs from other teams losing and it's all because they had one slip up against kansas state in which if i remember correctly i think they're missing cd lamb in that game which that offense runs through cd lamb had they won that game, you'd be saying these are the four best teams in America. We got them in there. Every single game would be a, a touchdown spread or less. I guarantee it. There's a there's a huge difference of looking at a 13 and 0 team versus a 12 and 1 or the 11 and 1. I don't. I think they're. I, I can't remember what they're. I think they're 12 and 1. But if they were 13 and 0, people would be saying four best teams in America. Here we go. But just because that one slip up against Kansas State, now it's kind of like, eh, does Oklahoma really belong? I don't know. Just because you're not sure if they belong or not does not mean they're not a good team. If you look at LSU, too, they've struggled against high-power offenses. Not to say that they're bad against them, but look at Texas. They only beat Texas by a touchdown early in the year. Texas turned out to not be a great team. The next good team they played was Florida, and I believe Florida's quarterback got hurt in that game and came out, but they only won that one by 14, so that would have been a push. So another uh, Florida's not necessarily a high-powered offense, but just a good team in general. Um, so that was 14, so that would have pushed. Auburn, they only beat by three, another good team, probably a little bit more on the defensive side than offensive. And then Bama, they only won by five. And I think that Alabama game, that game going on for another five minutes, Alabama probably wins that game because they started scoring like it was nobody's business on LSU. LSU was up like 20, I think, at one point. And then they, they did go whoop Georgia, but there was something wrong with that Georgia team. Um, I think Swift got hurt. He only had three carries in that game, and I believe their starting receiver was out. So it's not really a fair representation on that Georgia team. Point is, George, not that LSU has struggled, but they have not handily beat good teams that they're playing. And Oklahoma is probably up there with one of the best teams they've played. I think this offense is not going to have trouble putting up points on LSU, maybe keeping up with them. But 14 is a lot. I can even see this being a 17-point game toward the end of the fourth quarter. And again, we always talk about LSU. They have bigger goals than beating Oklahoma. They want to win the championship. If they're up 17 with three minutes to go, do you really think they're going to sell out to try to stop this and hurt somebody on their team? No, they're going to let Oklahoma drive the field, let them take all three minutes and let Oklahoma run into the end. I, I mean, I don't see LSU ever getting ahead by more than 21 in this game. And as long as it's within one touchdown, I can easily see a backdoor cover happening. And I could even see this game kind of being a little bit closer than people think, just with the way that Oklahoma is able to put points up. I mean, these are probably two of the top offenses in the country right now, outside of maybe Clemson and OSU. I mean, those four are probably four of the top ten offenses. So to be given 14 points, I mean, again, I think people are just completely sleeping on Oklahoma because that one loss they have. 
if you look at every single LSU game this year against a top 10 team with Texas, um, Auburn, Alabama, and, and Georgia, they never had a 14-point spread in any one of those games. Now, I know we didn't fully know what LSU was, but how come all of a sudden now they're getting 14 just because that one Kansas State loss? Like I said, I I think LSU probably wins this game by 7, maybe even 10, maybe even 14. I get a push, but I don't think they're just going to blow them out of the water and go win this game by 20 points or something. And if it's under 17, it, there's a good chance it's a 14-point game or less. I just, I don't know. I think that Oklahoma's going to be able to at least keep scoring, especially if LSU scoring really quickly. Their defense is going to be on the field getting worn out. I just, I don't know. I could see this being one of those shootouts, like a 45 to 35 type game or something like that. And OSU is able to, or OSU, um, OU is able to kind of keep it at least close enough to cover that 14. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, if I'm betting on this game, I'm, I'm going to take Oklahoma too, just because, I mean, in a do or die scenario everything's on the line you're playing for a national title you got to think that Lincoln Riley is going to come prepared you got to think he's at least got a game plan to keep it close I mean that's got to be the goal right if you're Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley the goal is to keep it a one possession game until the fourth quarter and hopefully you have the ball left and you're within a touchdown so Oklahoma hasn't been able to get it done in the past when they've kind of gotten to these points but I think what Vegas yeah. is really kind of saying here is they don't believe 100% in Jalen Hurts. But you're not even really betting on Jalen Hurts. You're barely even betting on Oklahoma in this game. You're more betting on the high-stakes game just being close. So I like that bet. I'm not – I, 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 I might tail thing, on. One thing we look at, it's maybe not the best app or most accurate representation, but just shows how close the numbers really are. And LSU's played better teams, so take that, for, uh, take that into account. Points per game, OU is 43 and LSU is 47.8. There's a four-point difference in points per game. Points allowed, Oklahoma 24, LSU 21. There's a three-point difference, so they have almost the same points against and points for. Now, again, LSU is playing better teams, but is that really worth 14 points? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I'll follow you on that. What's your? How much did you put on that one? Just 10 again for 870. I actually okay. had a thought of even sprinkling a tiny bit on the money line just because this is going to be an offensive shootout. No, you, that's what they want to be in is an offensive shootout. Yeah. The team they lost to Kansas State was more of kind of a conservative defensive team than ended up scoring on OU. But I think if you get into a shootout, that's kind of playing into what Oklahoma wants. And I think the money line the last I looked was like a plus three or 400 mm. for a top four versus a top one team. I mean, upsets like that happen. Yeah, for sure. Especially like you said, because I feel like Oklahoma is being downgraded a lot for that uh, that one K-State game. But wrapping up our picks here, I will join you, Jared, finally for my last pick. Uh, we will have a nice conversation about this one because we both know a lot about the team um, with Michigan State in their bowl game against Wake Forest. So we're actually going to disagree, but not really, um, a little bit. I've got MSU minus three and a half parlayed with the under on this game of 50.5. I think this is where we disagree. I think you have the over on just Michigan State's total points this game. But I've got a $5 bet to return or five unit bet to return 13.5 on that parlay. So a couple things. Michigan State minus 3.5. First of all, this is kind of a wing and a prayer already for them to be covering 3.5. Michigan State being favored in any game seems kind of insane at this point, but I'm kind of rolling with that Vegas hunch. You know, Michigan State has struggled this season. They're 6 and 6. Wake Forest is 8 and 4. Why is Michigan State 
more than a field goal favorite. It seems a little kind of hunchy to me. Like, why, why is Vegas setting this? But when you actually look back, like, let's take a look back at Michigan State's past handful of games. They beat Maryland. They beat Rutgers. Listen to the stretch they had of maybe the hardest I've ever seen of any college football team ever. They played Michigan, Illinois, trash team, whatever, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Between those four games of Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan, you're averaging playing a top 10 ranked opponent. Better than that, Ohio State's one of the top teams in the country. Wisconsin gave Ohio State a test. Penn State also gave Ohio State a test. And Michigan is just a good team, especially against bad teams. But that four-game stretch where they played, or five-game stretch, I should say, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Illinois, and Michigan, is one of the hardest five-game stretches I've seen. And their loss to Illinois is bad on that. But in that game, it was still a pretty close game, 37-34. If anybody I mean, they remembers, choked. they were actually— they had a 20-something point lead. Exactly. They were up huge in that game against Illinois. Illinois scored like 28 points in the fourth quarter. So in that five-game stretch, they played four teams that were significantly better than them and played really good against Illinois. So I think Michigan State's 6-6 six and six record, granted, they're not a good team. I don't think that they're good at all, but I think that's a little underwhelming versus what they maybe would have been if their schedule wasn't so insanely hard. I think maybe this is more of a seven or an eight win type team if they didn't go through that literal five game stretch of probably harder than any team has played in the past five years of any college football team. So that's kind of why I'm liking the Michigan State minus three and a half. I think they're a little underrated because that five game stretch was so abysmal. But regardless of that, I think the bigger part of this is the under on 50 and a half. I'm looking at these two teams. Wake Forest is an up and down team. Um, they lost to Syracuse. They only put up 30 points or they put up 30 points in the last game, which is great. But if you look at their games before that, uh, they put up 39 against Duke, a bad team. They put up three points against Clemson and 17 against Virginia Tech. This is the type of team, this Wake Forest team, that excels against lower level competition. I mean, obviously Clemson, you, you can't say much about Clemson because they're one of the best teams in the league. But if you look back at their past, they're a lot of times against better opponents struggling to score a lot of points. So I look at this as one of those rough and tumble games. If you remember Michigan State's bowl game last year, which was 10 to seven against a pretty high powered Oregon offense in Justin with Justin Herbert, they held them to 10 points. I think this is one of those 20 to 14 games or 23 to 17 games. One of those low scoring games that Michigan state finds a way to win. This is more of a, I want Michigan state to win so I can at least have a tiny bit of football to be happy about in my life. But five units to return 13 and a half. I like, I think the under is more likely and I'm throwing that Michigan state three and a half <laughs> coverage in there uh, as a little uh, multiplier on that bet. So I know we disagree a little bit on that, Jared. So, so I actually kind of agree with your take. Mine, mine's a little spin off of it all, though. I, I actually have MSU winning or covering off the record, not on here, but and then I could see it going under fifty. I don't really have any faith in Wake Forest. Um, and at first, I mean, look I at the MSU, teams Wake Forest has played. Seriously, they the ACC is a dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, so that, that kind of brings me to why I have MSU over twenty-seven. So the first thing was. I saw that number, and my initial thought was, no way do they score 27. And then I was like, why would they put the number at 27? That seems kind of high. So I started looking around, 
MSU's offense, I think, is not good, but I think they're bad because they have no creativity. So when they play a good team that actually has better players than them, they just get stuck. Because they have, when you have not as good of players, you need creativity. They have good enough players to score on a bad defense, but when you play a, a Michigan and Ohio State, you got to get creative or else you're just going to get stalled because you have better corners covering better receivers with better defensive lines overpowering your offensive line. If you look at when MSU played non-top 15 defenses, they played Tulsa, again, nobody team, scored 28. They played Western, they scored 51. They played Northwestern, they scored 31. They played Indiana, they scored 40. They played Illinois, they scored 34. They played Rutgers, they scored 27. Maryland, they scored 19. And I guess, or, yeah. And Arizona State, they only scored seven on. So there's two games that weren't so good. They averaged 27.5 points per game against those lower-ranked teams. Hmm. Now, Wake Forest has the 80th best defense in the league, or, or 82nd or something. So their defense is abysmal, 84. And I think MSU, Brian Lewerke has not lived up to what he was supposed to do. A couple years ago, he came on the scene. He was supposed to be the next great MSU quarterback. There are people calling for him to be the Big Ten quarterback of the year a year or two ago i think he wants to at least go out and show something in his last game uh they've had some time off d'antonio is now don't get me wrong i've been one saying he might need fired but he is a good coach for what he what he has to work with i think he's a little too loyal and that maybe is why he's kind of struggling lately i'm getting a little bit off my uh a little off topic here but in general when they have time to plan for a team they play pretty well and I think the defense is going to be able to stop Wake Forest enough that Wake Forest's already bad defense is going to be on the field a lot. And I think MSU is going to drive down the field and score a couple times. I mean, like I said, 27 at first scared me a little bit. But when I went back and looked at these quote-unquote non-elite teams that MSU's played, they're averaging about 27, 28 points. And now they're playing one of the worst defenses of the group of defenses that I'm calling bad defenses. Um I, I think they'll be able to move the ball on Wake Forest. If you look at Wake Forest, too, teams that they've played recently, I mean, they're not looking so hot themselves. Syracuse, they gave up 39. Now, they go to overtime, so take off a touchdown or so or two touchdowns. Uh, Duke, they gave up 27 to. Clemson, we don't need to talk about them. They're obviously good. They gave up 36 to Virginia Tech, uh, only 10 to North Carolina State. But they're giving up a lot of points to these 62 to Louisville, um, 22 or 20 to Florida State. Uh, 24 to Boston College, uh, Utah State, 35. So they've given up a lot of points to kind of some, I wouldn't call them bad offenses, but, I mean, their their defense is nothing to really be scared of. I, I can see MSU easily probably get in the end zone maybe three times. So now you're looking at I need two touchdowns for a push or two field goals for a push. I, I think maybe the defense even scores and helps them out once or twice. Uh I kind of actually have started to really like this 27, even though at first I kind of almost immediately hammered the under on it. Yeah, I mean, that's where I'm at. So a little bit of a disagreement, but I guess not quite. I thought it'd be a little more than that. But I guess we're both kind of saying that Michigan State's got the advantage uh, in this game, both saying they're going to impose their will against a lesser defense and, and not a great team. Um, so I guess we'll take it into our head-to-head. Uh Jared, do you want to start us off? We've got the uh, Seattle Seahawks 49ers game here. You want to start us off? Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, we just so, went, uh, we're 4-4 four and four after my loss last week. I had the, or two weeks ago, I should say. I had the Steelers winning against Buffalo. They did not. So we are now even. So to break the tie here in week 17. 
So this is another game, and this is kind of what makes our head-to-heads fun, that neither of us have a, a very strong confidence on. But, I mean, it's, it's hard to find one on a, a primetime game where somebody has a huge lean one way or the other. So I'm about 51% on this one. But I like the 49ers at Seattle. Um, the 49ers, I think, are kind of on a mission. And Seattle, I don't know, them coming off that loss maybe gives them a little bit of motivation to jump one up, or not jump one up, but get one back. Uh, Seattle did take the first one. Um, yeah, they did take the first one. To, yeah, in overtime. So I think maybe the, the, this seems like two teams at the top of the division, top of the conference, that they split games. And I just feel like, I don't know, there's just something to me that just thinks the 49ers are going to be able to kind of make their way. Seattle did lose Chris Carson. I saw they went and signed Marshawn Lynch. He's about 65 years old, though. Uh, the, the run game is really important for them to kind of get established. Maybe Marshawn, who knows what he's going to be, but I don't think he's going to be what they're hoping he is. Um, for the 49ers, they're looking really healthy, actually. I, the three and a half scares me a little bit. I'd prefer to get this around three. If I were actually to bet on it, I'd definitely buy it down to three, but since it's a head-to-head, we can't buy them down. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, again, no, no strong opinion either way. I just think the 49ers are a little bit better of a team here. So I look for them to close this one out and take the conference and division. Yeah, this is I like these head to heads. It gives you kind of a chance to maybe pick you pick a game you wouldn't really pick necessarily before, and that's exactly what this is. I would probably stay away from this game because um, it is San Francisco, and I'm on the Seattle side. San Francisco looks like one of the best teams in the league. But a couple quick tidbits here. Uh, really, San Francisco has been struggling a little bit down the stretch, actually. Um, they've lost two of their past five games, which may not sound that ridiculous, but when you're 12 and three, you got to think before those last five games, you know, they were what nine and one. So they've struggled a little bit down the stretch. Granted, Seattle has two. They lost to Arizona, a trash team and, and the Rams, but I like Seattle. I love Russell Wilson. I think that Russell Wilson is the player that you want to make the plays when you need them to be made. He always seems to be making great decisions and, and making the clutch plays at the end of the games. And my, three and a half, as Jared was talking about, this is really why I like Seattle. You know, they lose by a field goal. They get in here and they lose you know, 27 to 25 or 27, 24, and you still take that bet. This is going to be a close game, no doubt about it, unless something crazy goes on. I like Seattle to cover that three and a half, mainly because... Jared, like you just said, we're just here so we don't get fined. That's why we're here. I'm here so I won't get fined. You know Marshawn Lynch just doesn't want to get fined. He's going to probably run for like 250 yards. I don't care if you say he's 60 years old. He's about that action, boss. I'm going to roll. He's going to show up in his Escalade filled with Skittles. I believe it was an Escalade. Yeah. Yeah, that was some classic Marshawn Lynch there. But I think that wraps it up. My slate is looking pretty hot, I think. Um, I've got a total bet of 36 with a possible winnings of 77. So I've got just that one parlay really pushes it up. Other than that, it's actually a pretty conservative week for me. Outside of that one parlay, it's like 33 for a return of 40 or something like that. So uh, what about you, Jared? Uh, well, my computer I had it on just uh, died, but it was 50 bet out for about like a 48 return, give or take a dollar or two. I'll give one little right, tidbit too before we leave. One thing that I'm kind of, I wouldn't say sleeping on, but I kind of am starting to like Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I saw they're about plus 600 right now. 
and mm. they're looking pretty hot. They're an 11 and 4 team, so they're nothing to laugh at. And I think two of their losses came with Mahomes being out. They lost the Packers, and no Mahomes was out. And I think the Titans team's out for. So that would they could easily be a, a 13 and 2 team right now, and they'd probably be a favorite rather than a kind of an afterthought. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. That's some good. That's some good picking. I learned that last week the Chiefs defense is a lot better than I thought it was. So they've got that going for them. It's the same thing. When Mahomes went out, they had to try to figure out a way to play as a team. I, you know, I think I really like you know, he, when he, a team has to face. Kind of, it was his first game back. So. Okay. Yeah, I love the, when a team has to face a little adversity. You know, when their star player goes down and you have to learn how to win outside of that. I think that's really good for a team as long as the team is a good team. And it seems like Kansas City is a good, well-coached team. So. All right. Well, that's yeah. that's gonna wrap it up. Jared, let's let's take some money here around Christmas time. I think we could all use it. All right. Happy Good New Year, everybody. everybody. Enjoy the bowl.